1: Life if you give your
0: heart and believe what he's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasures stored up in heaven when you're true. You'll be set for life.
1: Okay, now in Second Samuel three and one. Now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the House of David, but David grew stronger and stronger. And the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Okay, there where it says house of, what does that mean? It means all their family. This means there's a lot of people in this war. It's not just about individuals. There's a lot of people. Israel is divided up. There's major division going on here in Israel. Hello, America. Other people in other countries, I know you're listening to. God bless you. But when there's division in your house among houses, when there's division in your country, it does not work out well. We need to watch what David does to reconcile the tribes together. The Lord is going to move in and get the tribes together. We really need to learn from this chapter today, especially in the day and age that we live in, where division is very prevalent. So Second Samuel 3 and 2. Sons were born to David in Hebron. His firstborn was Ammon by Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess. His second, Chileab, by Abigail, the widow of Nabal the Carmelite. The third, Absalom, the son of Macha, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. I hope I say that right, but if I don't, oh well, I'm Texan. The fourth, Adonijah, the son of Haggith. The fifth, Shephathiah, there I go again, the son of Abital, And the sixth, Ithraim, by David's wife, Eglah. These were born to David in Hebron. Now we're going to see here where David and Abner joined forces together. Wow, what a what a thought! because Abner had just been his rival in the previous chapter. Verse six. Now it was so while there was a war between the house of Saul and the house of David that Abner was strengthening his hold on the house of Saul and Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah. So Ishbosheth said to Abner, "Why have you gone in?" To my father's concubine. Okay, this is exactly the question we need to ask in our culture today. Why did Abner go see Saul's concubine? Well, okay, we need to understand the culture of the day, what was happening. In that day, whenever a king took a territory to rule over, he would have children with the daughters of prominent men that lived around that territory. If you notice how verse one that we just read starts by saying that David's kingdom got stronger, but then immediately after verse 1, it starts to list all the children that he was having. See, David was doing this too. This was a cultural deal, how the kings would establish a rule. And so it says his house, David's house, his family got stronger because David was having sons with the daughters of powerful men. Especially look at verse 3. It says, David had Absalom with the daughter of Talmai, the king of Geshur. So you see, this prominent man David is having these children with, that's how he's making his kingdom stronger. That's the way they did it. And so a concubine, though, what is a concubine? It was a woman that was not your wife, but was strictly for the purpose of childbearing. That was her job is for childbearing. And so when Abner went into Saul's concubine, it was this woman that Saul had for childbearing, then that means that Abner, if you see how David was having children in these various areas to strengthen his rule, this means that when Abner went to Saul's concubine, that he was uh, had attempted to tie himself into Saul's royal line to try to knock Eshbosheth off the throne. Abner is coming in and doing this royal of the day protocol that says a king wants to take over territory. You have children with prominent figures, okay? So Abner's making a first shot at this. The way Abner saw this, it's kind of like when a trailer, if a trailer gets away from you and starts to roll down a hill, the first thing you do is you take the quickest thing you can find and throw it under the wheel and chalk it under the wheel to keep the trailer from rolling away. But then you have to quickly secure the trailer down better. Kind of the way I see it is that Ishbosheth was Abner's quick way to chalk the wheel to keep the throne of Israel from getting away from him. He had to do something fast, and that's what he did. He slapped Ishbosheth in real quick. But now Abner wants to secure the throne better for himself, and that's why he went in to see Saul's concubine to establish his influence. He's trying to build his house, his family, but Ishbosheth caught him, and he asked him, "Why did you go in?" Let's see what happens. Second Samuel three and eight. Then Abner became very angry at the words of Ishbosheth, and said, "Am I a dog's head that belongs to Judah? Today I show loyalty to the house of Saul, your father, to his brothers, and to his friends, and have not delivered you into the hand of David. And you charge me today with a fault concerning this woman." May God do so to Abner and more also if I do not do for David as the Lord has sworn to him to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah from Dan to Beersheba. And he could not answer Abner another word because he feared him. (laughs) Whoa, Abner he blew up he exploded like mushroom cloud here he because he got caught you know but he he exploded at ishbosheth's accusation that the question i think ishbosheth really did get it i why are you going into my father's concubine i think ishbosheth was trying to hint are you doing what i think you're trying to do are you trying to take over and abner's response to that was oh but i'm loyal uh, it, it's kind of funny how he tried to spin it. Like He tried to make himself look like the good guy because he basically said, I could have hand, handed you over to David, but I didn't. You see how loyal I am? How dare you question me, accuse me? I could have handed you over and I didn't. It's kind of like um, I made the illustration at my church the other day. I pointed at one of the guys in the in my assembly, and I said, you know what? I was thinking of stabbing you in the back today and killing you, but I decided not to. So that proves how loyal I am. No, it doesn't. <laughs> that was just kind of a weak uh, spin there. But uh, anyway, I could have handed you over, but I didn't. So how do you like that, Ish-bosheth? He's so angry at him. And But what an unexpected response. Uh, I mean, this sudden change in Abner is so extreme that he is actually about to turn and go join David's side, maybe just to spite uh, Ishbosheth, to be like, well, I'll show you, I'll take you off the throne by helping David. I'll help David, and that's going to hurt you. And that's why Ishbosheth was scared to say another word, because he he saw this as a threat to his own rule. But Abner says, I'm going to go out and I'm going to actually help David do the work of uniting Israel all together under him and get get the whole nation as one. That means he's going to rule and you're not. However, even though David, uh, I'm sorry, Abner has completely blown his lid. I really think that this turnaround of Abner was caused by the Lord because now Israel is going to have a chance to unite. Second Samuel three and 12. Then Abner sent messengers on his behalf to David saying, whose is the land saying also make your covenant with me. And indeed my hand shall be with you. To bring all Israel to you. And David said, Good, I will make a covenant with you, but one thing I require of you you shall not see my face unless you first bring Michael, Saul's daughter, when you come to see my face. So David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, Give me my wife, Michael, whom I betrothed to myself for a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. And Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband, from Paltiel the son of Laish. Then her husband went along with her to Bahurim, weeping behind her. So Abner said to him, "Go return," and he returned. Oh, Paltiel, it's like telling a dog that wants to follow you, "Go home, bad dog, go home, <laughs> get out of here." You know. I think of this and I'm looking at the kind of the picture, you know, King Saul had wanted David dead. You remember that? I mean, that was like the big problem. So he had told David in the past, I want you to go get as a bride price to get my daughter, Michael, as your wife. I want you to go get me 100 Philistine foreskins. Now what Saul was trying to do, he was trying to get David dead, but he thought, Hey, I'll let the Philistines do the job for me. I mean, What's going to make men more angry than that requirement, right? (laughs) So he brought back, David brought back 200, though. I mean, that's what a conqueror he was. So uh, Michael became his wife, became David's wife. But Later, Saul tried to kill David himself, and that's when David ran off and fled. And so Saul gave Michael to Paltiel. He gave her away. And so David put a command in the covenant that Abner wanted to make with him. I'll bring Israel together. But David said, all right. But that woman, that girl, Michael, that I am betrothed to, I want you to go get her. She's the one that I had to go get the 100 foreskins for a bride price. So he put this this covenant condition. If we're going to make a covenant, I require you to do this. It's a command. You You have to do this or there's no covenant. He wanted, why? Why did he do this? He wanted to test Abner's authenticity. Is Abner being real or not? Remember, they just fought. And so to turn him around from, let's see if you're really still fighting me or not, to proving your genuineness, or do you really mean this? He's trying to find out, is Abner being real? Are you being real? I want you to go back and bring Michael back. So that's what he did. Abner brought Michael back, and he told Paltiel, who was walking behind her crying, He said, go back home. Get out of here. You know, this ain't your business anymore. Now, don't feel bad for Paltiel. He should have known better than to shack up with another man's wife. And that's all I'm going to say about it. That was not his wife. She belonged to David. Just because Saul gave her over doesn't mean she's yours. I think maybe 80% of Paltiel's tears was over the fact that he just lost his connection to royalty. He wasn't going to get to line his pockets anymore. So, go home. Oh, you know, I can't do that. I'm going to lose my money. I think Paltiel had another motive for this. uh, You know, anyway, 2 Samuel 3 and 17. Now, Abner had communicated with the elders of Israel, saying, In time past you were seeking for David to be king over you. Now then, do it. For the Lord has spoken of David, saying, By the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel from the land of the Philistines and from the hand of all their enemies. And Abner also spoke in the hearing of Benjamin. Then Abner also went to speak in the hearing of David in Hebron, all that seemed good to Israel and the whole house of Benjamin. So Abner and twenty men with him came to David at Hebron, and David made a feast for Abner and the men who were with him. Then Abner said to David, I will arise and go and gather all Israel to my lord the king, that they may make a covenant with you and that you may reign over all that your heart desires. So David sent Abner away and he went in peace. Okay, so, you know, Abner actually did good on his word. You know, he was fighting with David before. And so when somebody says, hey, I suddenly want to help you now, you're kind of wondering, I don't know. Let's find out. Let's, Let's put something in there that's going to prove that you really mean what you say. And so he did good on his word. He said he was going to do it and he did. He proved himself to be real because he actually went out and did what David told him to do. Friend, I want you to pay very close attention to what I just said. He proved his authenticity, that he was real, that he genuinely wanted the reunification of Israel, that he was with David by proving himself by doing what David told him to do. David gave him a requirement for this covenant to work, here's what you have to do. And and Abner actually did it. You hang on to that. I'm going to come back to it. So, so look at verse 19. It says that Abner spoke in the presence of Benjamin. Why is that important? Well, Abner was Saul's cousin. He was a cousin of Saul. And so he had a lot of influence over the tribe of Benjamin, over the Benjamites. So look at what's Look at what's going on. I, I'm just almost speechless because I'm amazed what the Lord can do. He can just spin somebody in a, in a 180 to take the one guy that had probably the best influence over the entire tribe of Benjamin. And the reason that is is important is because since Saul was of the line of, in the tribe of Benjamin, he was just king. The Benjamites are thinking, hey, our tribe held the crown. We should continue the crown. It should be Ishbosheth." You, the Lord had to put in a very influential man to explain to the Benjamites why it was in their best interest for the crown to move from the tribe of Benjamin to the tribe of Judah so that David would rule. Very important here. So the Lord took the right guy with the right influence and put him in the right place at the right time, who had just formerly, formerly been against all of this prophetic stuff that the Lord said would happen. The Lord said it, David would rule over all Israel. So the one guy that was needed to do the job suddenly flipped. You ever been there, my friend? You ever been a hostile enemy against the Lord God and he spun you in a circle and now you're working for the Lord? What a picture. Okay. It's just amazing how Abner, who was once David's enemy, is now working for peace in agreement with the Lord's will. Second Samuel 3 and 22. At that moment, the servants of David and Joab came from a raid and brought much spoil with them. But Abner was not with David and Hebron, for he had sent him away, and he had gone in peace. When Joab and all the troops that were with him had come, they told Joab, saying, Abner, the son of Ner, came to the king, and he sent him away, and he has gone in peace. Then Joab came to the king and said, What have you done? Look! Abner came to you, why is it that you sent him away and he is already gone? Surely you realize that Abner, the son of Ner, came to deceive you, to know you're going out and you're coming in, and to know all that you are doing. First off, now I know I tried to dramatize the tone of, Ab, uh, of Joab's voice a little bit, but whether I dramatized it or not, look at the text. This is not the way you talk to a king. You do not address a king like that. Whether you use the same tone I did or not, those words are not words you use. This is not how you speak with disrespect to the authority of a king. You just don't do it. What was Joab's problem? Remember, Joab wanted to kill Abner because Abner killed Joab's brother. It was self-defense. Abner did not intentionally want to. He warned Azahel, Joab's brother. Several times, back off, man, get away from me. I don't want to do this, and Azahel wouldn't listen. But regardless, Joab was so obsessed with revenge, it bitterness had consumed his mind and his heart so deeply against Abner that he could not see the bigger picture. He couldn't see the bigger picture at hand, that Abner was now working, that the Lord was using Abner to unite Israel back together again. Joab had what I call Bitter, limited vision. He was bitter, limited. He couldn't see past his own hand because the bitterness was in the way. He was so limited in his in his uh, vision that he could not see the Lord's work, even though it was happening right in front of him. And that's what bitterness will do to you. When you hate somebody, when you're angry at somebody, you resent, you grudge, you don't forgive, you will not be able to see. What the Lord is doing right in front of your face, Israel is getting united. All the clans are, the tribes are coming back together. Joab can't even see it, and he comes in and disrespects his king. And when Joab had gone from David's presence, he sent messengers after Abner, who brought him back from the well of Sirah. But David did not know it. Now, when Abner had returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him privately, and there stabbed him in the stomach so that he died for the blood of Azahel, his brother. Now, guys, I know this looks really bad, but I want you to see just how bad this is. How bad? Did you notice the name of the city where Joab killed Abner? Did you see that? Where were they? It says they were in Hebron. What is the big significance What is the big significance about them being in Hebron? First off, I want to take you back to look at the law. We need to study some things here. Exodus 21 and 12 says, He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. However, if he did not lie in wait, but God delivered him into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place where he may flee. Okay. Abner did not lie in wait to kill Azahel. It means he wasn't hiding behind a rock. He wasn't pre-planning ahead. I'm going to wait for Azahel to come and I'm going to get him. He did not do that. Abner tried several times to get Azahel off his back so that he would not kill him. Abner did everything he could to warn Azahel off to spare his life. But Azahel kept coming. He wouldn't stop. He kept coming at him. And so Abner had to defend himself because Azahel was fast. He was faster than Abner. And he came after him. So according to the law, Abner had the legal right because he killed him. It was unintentional. He did not lie in wait, but he had the legal right to have a safe place to flee to. Because look what it says at the end. It says, I will appoint for you a place that he may flee. But where? Where do you go under circumstances like this? Joshua 20 and 1. When they came into the land, the Lord told him to do this. The Lord also spoke to Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint for yourselves cities of refuge, of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the slayer who kills a person accidentally or unintentionally may flee there, and they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. Verse 7, So they appointed Kedesh in Galilee, in the mountains of Naphtali, at Naphtali, Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim, and Kirjath Arba, which is what? See that? Hebron, which is Hebron in the mountains of Judah. Now, the passage there goes on to list a full count of six different cities that were appointed as refuge cities, and they were spread out all over the map of Israel so that if anybody unintentionally killed somebody, they had a quick place to get to. They didn't have to travel the whole country to get to a refuge city. They had a fast place to go to. And... These were refuge cities. that Abner was in one of them with Joab. Abner did not kill Joab's brother intentionally. It was self-defense. So now you can see why Abner did not run away from Joab when he saw Joab in Hebron. Joab saw Abner, he goes, hey, come here, I want to talk to you for a minute. How come Abner didn't take up a defensive position and just run off or something? Why did he go over and talk to him? Because he was in Hebron. He was in a refuge city where legally he should have had safety from the avenger of blood. In fact, that reason why he walked straight into Joab's trap, I mean, he walked right off with him, was because Joab posed no threat to him as long as they were in Hebron. At least it was supposed to be that way. Joab is demonstrating lawlessness. Joab killed Abner in a legally established refuge city. First, Joab had no respect for David's rule, as for David's authority as king. He came in there and popped off at David. What have you done? He's questioning the king when he can't see the bigger picture. David's focal point is on uniting all the tribes together to get Israel under one rule because God said that would happen. All Joab can think about is what he's mad about and he questioned the king. So he demonstrated that he had no respect for God's law either concerning refuge cities because he killed Abner in Hebron. Joab is demonstrating lawlessness, his lack of respect for the law, his lack of respect for authority, iniquity, my way or no way. But you know, it's interesting now how Abner, who was David's enemy, had now turned and suddenly started working in agreement with the Lord's will, while Joab, who was David's commander, right under David, running with David, hanging with David, has now acted in opposition to David and the Lord's will.
0: Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time